Hello humans, and welcome to Tales from the Astral Tavern. I'm your host, Keanu, and today I want to talk to you about vampires. Now, when vampires are brought into any conversation, especially in media, there's a lot of different images that folks may get. You may get from Blade, the kind of superhero vampires, the Wesley Snipes sort of situation where they're basically fodder that an individual can hunt down. You may get things like priests, where they are more animalistic, kind of dog-like creatures. And then you may think get things such as Underworld and so on. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you may get things like Twilight, your boy band, sparkly, kind of what have you vampires. Not exactly a threat, more so a boyhood crush kind of situation. We're not talking about any of that. Today, we're going for perhaps my favorite piece of vampire media, the more animalistic, the more frightening, the more hide in your bedroom even though they'll probably find you there and sniff you out, there is no escape kind of vampires. Today, we're going to talk about 30 Days of Night. Now, it's important to give some background. Firstly, 30 Days of Night is a 2007 movie based upon a graphic novel released about in 2002 by Stephen Niles and illustrated by a Ben Templesmith. Now, the movie follows a group of individuals living in Barrow, Alaska, basically the most northern city in Alaska, as they reach a point in the year when they are about to have, as the title suggests, 30 days of perpetual night. Now, for anybody who is even slightly familiar with vampire media and lore, which I imagine is probably about 99% of people at this point, you know that this setup alone and this premise is spectacular for a vampire movie, or vampire book, or anything related to vampires. You effectively are eliminating the greatest weakness that a vampire has. Similar to what Blade and the media and the comics would do with that, he could walk during the day, which is perhaps his greatest asset against vampires. And now, in this movie, we have characters who are not as strong as a superhero, they cannot fight against a vampire, and they have to make it 30 days against this force. Now, the movie does some amazing things that I'll touch on pretty quickly, but not too in-depth. One of the most interesting things is that it spends a lot of downtime getting to know the people of Barrow and getting to see how they operate as a community. Surprisingly, as I was watching the movie again, they spend about 30 minutes of just following Eben as he goes around and Stella as she is trying to get out of Barrow. This gives a lot of time for character development, to see what character dynamics are, and to see how the town itself functions. And it really makes you care about a lot of the people. They're not super special or extravagant. They don't have these weird character quirks. They're just everyday human beings who are just trying to make it out here in this cold environment. And now they start to notice these strange things happening, such as their phones being stolen and burned in a pile outside of town, and all of their animals being attacked and stabbed and killed before the night suddenly comes upon them. And you start to get this very heavy sense of unease and dread slowly and slowly building upon you until finally the sun sets and the vampires arrive. Now this is the point in which I begin to nerd out over the vampires in 30 Days of Night. The vampires as portrayed in 30 Days of Night are terrifying. When I try to describe to you, they look entirely otherworldly and alien. 
Their eyes are inky black with no pupils. They don't dilate, they don't shift, they don't change. Their teeth seem slightly too large for their mouth, and so many of them just have their mouths open at points because they can't even contain these massive fangs. They will walk and twitch and react to slight sounds and movements. They leap around, not like a human, but like a predator, and they constantly come across as if they are either planning, hunting, or preparing for the kill. Now, the thing that's amazing about 30 Days of Night is despite setting them up as these animalistic and bestial predators, you still can tell that there is a lot of logic and thought in their minds. The vampires have a leader amongst them, an individual known as Marlowe, and one of the most fascinating things about Marlowe is that he's such a screen presence as portrayed, he can easily outhandle and outfight and attack anybody who comes into contact with him, but many times you will see that he will simply play with his food and toy with the humans and almost feed on their fear in many cases. Marlowe is the individual who has planned most of this. He is the one who had the stranger, who we will definitely get to and talk about because goodness, the stranger is amazing in this film. Everything in this film, honestly, is so well executed. But he's the one who had the stranger come and arrive to take down generators and cellular phones and other resources that individuals in Barrow need to survive the 30 days of perpetual night. Marlowe and all the vampires, really, have so much fine detail put into them in how they act and they react. There are several scenes and shots of the movie in which they will be moving in the background out of frame or fuzzy and blurred that you can barely make them out until you realize they've been lurking there the entire time. Several things about 30 Days of Night are intentionally set up so that you will have knowledge that characters do not have. You will know what is coming and you have to brace for it and you have to hope that someone will catch on to this. And other times it will set it up so that there is no easy way out and that a character may be trapped and have no options. A case in point for example, there's a scene in the movie, spoiler alert, where Marlowe and the other vampires have a woman go down the street crying out for help. Now we don't know this at first, we just see the woman walking down the street holding her arm injured, calling out for someone to help her. She eventually reaches a point where she goes around a corner and sees one of Marlowe's vampires waiting for her. She's terrified as she sees Marlowe come out and begin to speak with her. And she tells him, pleading for her life, that no one's there and no one's there to help her. After Marlowe recites a few lines to her, I will not spoil it, although keep in mind that Marlowe doesn't speak as we speak. They speak a very different, much older tongue um, in the lore of the movie. But after a brief interaction, we see one of the most painful scenes to watch as the vampires simply toy and attack and damage this woman before eventually killing her. Perhaps the best thing about 30 Days of Night is that it knows exactly what it wants to be. It is bloody, it is gory, it is brutal, and in reality, there is no real way out. Even at the end of the film, when things are resolved, it doesn't end with some spectacular set piece, it ends with what's effectively a street fight. I won't spoil exactly what happens, but it's mainly just buying time so that a few people, or in this case even just two people, can get out of a sticky situation. 
as the movie ends, you kind of realize the good guys didn't exactly win. The bad guys kind of got away with everything that they were doing. You don't have some big moment where the sun comes down on all of the remaining vampires or anything like that. You know that out there in the world, they're still out there. And even the ones who didn't make it out of here, the vampires in this case, there are still other vampires out there in the world. It's very interesting because it almost comes off as too real in many ways. We look at it and we see something that we could never really disprove per se. I mean, of course, you know, we don't believe in vampires per se, but if it was to happen, would we ever really know? Now, the last thing I'm going to talk about very briefly is a character known as The Stranger, as portrayed by Ben Foster in the movie. There is very much a trope in a lot of horror media and books and all of that to have the, as I do air quotes, harbinger character, the individual that signals that something terrible is coming. And I'll be honest, I usually hate this character. It feels forced, it feels contrived, and it feels lazy in many ways. So needless to say, it means a lot when I say that I absolutely love the stranger in every way. Now the thing that makes him so good, and again that makes this movie so good, is that there is not any campiness or any dishonesty or anything of that nature in the character. This entire movie plays it entirely straight, and it very much creates this atmosphere of tension and fear and just mounting worry and misunderstanding. When the stranger comes into town, he's very much seen as just this kind of vagrant that people don't know and they don't like, he's kind of harassing people and he's very rude, and so they throw him in a jail cell. And yet throughout continuing scenes as the town folks, and especially Sheriff Eben, is beginning to learn more and more things are falling apart, such as the generators going down, the stranger will pass along little messages and taunt them and mess with him and instill more and more fear. To kind of encompass what I think 30 Days of Night does so well is it never undermines itself. It knows what it is, it knows where its tropes come from, and it knows how it could fall apart. And yet, it never questions itself, it never jokes about itself, and it never does anything at its own expense. It tells its story, it sets up its premise, and it plays it straight the entire time. This is one of my favorite things that any media can do. And it's especially fascinating as, spoiler alert, again, for myself, I'm a very huge fan of Dungeons & Dragons. I've stolen so many things from this movie in particular, it's kind of terrifying. I have stolen the idea of animalistic and yet wise predator-like vampires for people to fight. I have stolen the idea of being trapped in an enclosed or isolated location with no way of reaching out, which granted is a very general premise, but I feel like a lot of the ways that they set it up here especially is especially useful, kind of setting it as a day in the life until you start to notice it is not a normal day anymore. All of these ideas come together so well to create such a feeling of hopelessness and dread and yet also putting such an emphasis on character and individual stories. The thing about 30 Days of Night is that of the humans in Barrow, they even go to a point to show there's only 152 people left in Barrow. That's not that many people. And so when you see individual situations of a woman being pulled out of her house and her husband chasing after her, or a child who's walking down the street being followed by a stalking vampire, 
You care about each and every one of them. You know that they've been part of this small community and that when our characters see them and have fear for them, they've known them for a long time. It places this strange emphasis and weight on every character, and even when we see a single person being attacked and stabbed or killed or bitten, whatever it may be, we feel that pain as we see it on the other characters' faces. It's very difficult to watch in some cases, yet very effective, and sometimes characters have to harm people that they wouldn't want to if they're turning or whatever may be happening. So to finally begin to conclude things, I will tell you that if you've been listening this long and this movie sounds that much more appealing to you, one, I'm slightly concerned for you, we should probably talk, or more likely, two, you're like me and a lot of people and you love some very intense popcorn-y horror. And something about this movie is just so simplistic and so boiled down that I absolutely recommend it to anybody who's into that kind of horror. So in any case, I'll talk about something a little bit happier because I've realized that between this and talking about Avatar and the heavy themes of that, it kind of seems like a downer around here. So we're going to talk about something a little bit happier and more enjoyable next time. But in any case, I hope you stay well, safe, and healthy, and I hope to see you again soon around the tap.